pray this finds you having a blessed day. Uh, looking forward to getting back into um, looking at biblical passages. Um, took some time off to be able to um, kind of get some things together and do some studying. And now we're going to get into uh, some of the Old Testament passages that I really love. Um, and one in particular is looking through the book of Joshua. Um, I think that the book of Joshua is a phenomenal book. Um, it's one that uh, we can learn so many lessons from. And I don't know that I'm necessarily going to go verse by verse as we kind of go through it. Um, but one of the things that I am going to do is try to um, look at some of the either more important verses or the specific passages. And I think that one of the very important passages that can really be overlooked as you first start out in uh, the book of Joshua is the statement of verse 1, after the death of Moses. Now, the reason why that is such an important statement is because you're, you're understanding the significance of Moses to the nation of Israel. They had their ups and downs. They had times where um, <clears throat> Moses was struggling with the people. They had times where um, the nation of Israel would uh, kind of buck against Moses, and Moses was having to deal with people that were complaining and griping. Um, it was a very difficult situation for them, and Moses as well. But Moses was their leader, and they knew that the hand of God was on Moses. They knew that. Um, it was a situation to where that was, um, I think you could almost say never questioned. These people knew that God was with Moses. They knew that God's hand was on Moses. And Joshua walked, if you want to say it, within the leadership group of Moses. Um, so Joshua was able to see uh, so many things. Joshua was there in the, uh, you could almost say in the inner moments of being able to be ministered to, um, the times when uh, Moses would sit down and gather his leaders together and talk about different things. Um, these were things that Joshua was privy to. Um, and so when we think about this verse after the death of Moses, um, there's a lot taking place. Moses has died. He was not allowed to be able to lead the people into the promised land. Um, this was going to uh, come upon the next leader, which is going to be Joshua. Um, the nation of Israel has been so used to Moses and his leadership style um, that this is going to be a big deal for um, Joshua to be able to take on this mantle of leadership, to be able to lead the people, but then also, very importantly, to get the people to follow him. Um, leadership is not necessarily just being out in front of people. Leadership is making sure that you are able to lead the people in a way that they will follow. And Joshua, I think one of the biggest things that he had to do was to, number one, figure out his own leadership strategy. But then the, the second thing I think is very important is to understand the areas where Moses wasn't successful and figure out how to be able to um, deal with that. We're going to talk about that a little bit more 
in uh, Joshua chapter 3 and 4 because I believe that Joshua chapter 3 and 4 are a monumental moment in Joshua's life of being able to um, really uh, allow God to establish him as the leader of the nation of Israel and show them um, who he was and what he was... um, what he was willing to do in being used and led by the Lord. Um, so Joshua is got a, he, he has a lot going on right now in his mind. We've got to put ourselves in his shoes. Um, the people have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So now they're going to go from a people that have been wandering in the wilderness to a group of people that are going to be military-minded. I think that's the best way of being able to look at it. Um, Joshua is getting ready to um, lead these people and prepare the people to um, take the land that God has promised them, this covenant promise that he would lead them into the promised land. Um, And and Joshua is going to be the guy. Um, And so, again, you're talking about a group of people who have been um, very... Uh, used to this wilderness lifestyle and now it's going to be completely different. He is going to take them into a military mindset and be able to uh, help them to grow uh, in this new new realm of walking with the Lord um, and, and the people are going to have to trust him. And so one of the things that I think is amazing about this is with all of that on his mind with all of that just kind of swirling around, there's the human side that's going to come out from Joshua that's going to be saying, okay, how in the world are we going to do this? How am I going to get the people to follow me? How am I going to be able to lead these people? How am I going to do a military structure? And this is where I love it because God gives us such a specific example here in the life of Joshua that he is going to do that we must recognize can and does still take place in our lives today. In verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. Goodness, don't miss this. God didn't say, Joshua, I need you to lead the people over and I need you to be responsible for this and I need you to make sure that you conquer the land. God settles all of the anxiety and the fear immediately by sitting down Joshua and saying, listen, you uh, were Moses' assistant. He's dead. Now, I want to use you. I want you to take up the mantle, and I want you to be able to be the one that I utilize. And oh, by the way, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just telling you that I'm going to do this, and I'm going to use you. That takes all the pressure off. See, when we get, I'll rephrase it. When I get into situations like this, here's one of the biggest problems that I have. 
When I feel like God is preparing something, He's going to use me for something, one of the things that happen is I sit down and my brain automatically goes to, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to prepare? How do I need to prepare the people? How do I need to do all of these different things? When I go down that road, I allow anxiety to build up. I allow fears to build up. I, I allow... Um, I try to allow myself to build a strategy, and then all I do is beat myself up realizing that the strategy is no good. Um, And all of this could have been negated had I just went to the Lord in prayer first. Had I just sat down and said, okay, Lord, this is what I feel like you're calling me to do, and uh, I am helpless. I firmly believe in John 15 that I am unable to do anything apart from you, And God, I need you to do this. I'm a willing vessel. My yes is on the table. And so God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But understand, I can't do this apart from you. It reminds me, if you go back to Abraham, uh, you know, when Abraham and them are sitting there and they're dealing with the famine. And instead of really going to God, they just pack everything up and they go to Egypt. Well, Egypt was not the place God wanted them to go. Instead, what Abraham should have done, or Abram at that time, what he should have done was said, okay, God, you brought me here. We're sitting in the middle of a famine. It's your responsibility to feed us. But he didn't do that. What he'd done was he tried to figure out, how do I fix this situation? And what we have to understand is God doesn't want us to fix the situations. God wants us to trust him that he is going to do these things. We just get to be part of it. And so this is one of the things that I love about what God done here with Mo, or with Joshua is he just called Joshua and set him down and said, listen, I'm not expecting the miraculous out of you. What I expect is the availability out of you. And because of you being available, I'm going to do the miraculous through you. Which I think is phenomenal. Uh, because now what that does is I'm able to take that in my life and say, you know what? Quit trying to fix the situations. Quit trying to be the leader. Quit trying to do all of these specific things. And simply surrender yourself to God and let Him do these things through you. That is such a big deal. Because now the pressure isn't on me. I don't feel like I've got to show up and show out in front of people. I don't feel like i got to have all the answers. And what I'm able to do is I'm able to simply rest in the Lord understanding that I can't do anything apart from Him. Understanding that I'm not the one leading people to a promise or a covenant, but it's Him. And He's letting Joshua know, Joshua, you can't lead these people to the promised land. Not apart from me. Because notice what He says next in verse 3. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads just as I promised Moses. Look at the verbiage there and look at the way that it, the tense of it. I have given you. God says, I've already done this for you. I've already given you the promised land. I've given you every place where the sole of your foot treads. So he's telling Joshua, listen, everything's already done. I don't need you to win the battles. I don't need you to do anything other than just be my mouthpiece for the people. Allow me to use you and speak through you. And you sit down and you realize, you go back. Remember when Moses went up on the mountain? And it says that when he was on the mountain that there was thunder and lightning and the the ground trembled and everything. And that the people were absolutely terrified. 
One of the things that you find about the nation of Israel as you walk through um, this early Old Testament period is that the nation of Israel seemed to constantly be scared of God. But they were okay with a man of God. It seems like every time that God would move or every time that God was doing something, they seemed very fearful of it. They seemed very scared. But yet they would listen to Moses. They would listen to a man of God. They would listen to the priests. And it was almost like that was them listening to a or resting in a watered-down version. And what I mean by that is, I think that the holiness of God scared these people to death. But being able to have... And, and maybe because God to them wasn't necessarily tangible. But Moses was a tangible person. Even though there were moments when Moses come out and said that he glowed because he was in the presence of God... I still think that these people struggled with that. I think these people really had a difficult time with the holiness of God and being fearful of it. Not necessarily that it was an awe, but that they were just fearful. And so I think one of the things that happens is when they were able to have a tangible presence of a person, they were able to relate to that a little bit better, and that helped them to do more in listening and following. And so I think that that's one of the things here is that God understood that and he was making sure that they had that tangible presence with someone, which was Joshua. And he's saying, listen, I don't need you to be miraculous. What I need you is to be available. And so he tells him, I've already given you all of this area. Look down in verse 5. He says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. So God is just laying out these promises here to Joshua. He is affirming him. He is reassuring him. He is telling him this whole entire time, Joshua, you have nothing to worry about. I know that you, with Moses being dead, you feel like there is this massive void that you need to feel. He said, I, I want you to understand, I'm not asking you to feel that void. See, here's one of the other important lessons that I think we learned. And this would maybe go more toward pastors or leaders within the church, whether it's Sunday school teachers, deacons, whatever it may be. Your job is not to fill the role of somebody who's not there anymore. Your job is not to fill a void of the former pastor. I know one of the things that I've dealt with in coming into different churches, and I've established this right whenever I come into the situation, was I told the, the leadership of the church, listen, I am not your former pastor. I'm not at all. My personality is not your former pastor's. I don't do things the way your former pastor did it. And I don't want to be compared to your former pastor. And it's not because I don't think he was a man of God. It's not because I think I'm a better man or a better pastor. It's because I am who God created me to be. And so what I've got to do is I've got to be comfortable in my own skin. And I think that that's what God is doing with Joshua here is God is allowing Joshua to really be comfortable in his own skin and tell him, listen, Joshua, I don't need you to be Moses. Moses is dead. That period of time, that leadership, all of that's gone. What I need you to be is Joshua. 
I need you to be the man that I created you to be. I need you to lead with the qualities. I don't need you to mimic Moses. I don't need you to try to pull from Moses' qualities and say, okay, I'm going to be the next version of Moses. I need you to be the first version of Joshua. And I think that many of us as pastors need to be the version of us that God has created us to be. To not be the second coming of Adrian Rogers. To not try to make sure that we preach like pastor so-and-so or lead like pastor so-and-so or have the administra- uh, administrative aspects or pray like Jonathan Edwards or none of that. Be the you that God created you to be. And I think that's what Joshua is, is, is getting here. He's getting a lesson from God saying, I want you to be the Joshua that I created you to be. You have talent. You have purpose. You, I, I will equip you to do the job. I just need you to make yourself available. And so then after he affirms and reassures Joshua in the first five verses here, look what he says here in verse 6. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers and give them as an inheritance. So he tells him, here's one of the first tasks that you're going to do. I'm going to build you into this leadership position. I'm going to cause you to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. So I'm guaranteeing you right now, you have victory. One of the things that we struggle with more times than not in our own spiritual walks is the fact of, well, what about this? Am I going to be able to get the victory in this situation? Am I going to be able to have the victory in my prayer life? Uh, All of these different facets. And God is telling Joshua here, I've already given you the victory. So the one thing that you're probably worried about more than anything else, I want you to know it's eliminated. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to look at it in any way, shape, form, or fashion. The victory is yours. What I want you to do is I want you to be strong and courageous in front of the people. I want the people to be able to see a confident leader. This is important because what we'll find is that many times our confidence is lacking as pastors or as leaders or even as Christians, not because of anything concerning God, but because of the fact we're not strong and courageous and confident in Him. When we feel like we have to be able to do fill in the blank or we have to do certain things, our confidence can wane very significantly. And one of the things I think that we need to be able to do and understand is as long as I know that I am following the leadership and the lordship of Jesus Christ, I can be confident because I know I'm not doing it in my own strength. What God is saying is I want you to be strong and courageous, understanding I've given you this land. I want you to be confident in front of the people so that way you can sit down and share with them, this is how we're going to divide up the land. This is what's going to be taking place. And what he's able to do then is... With that confidence comes authority. So now he has the authority to be able to do all of these different things because these people know he's called by God. See, one of the things as a pastor and as a church leader, and again, even as a Christian, I don't want you to think that this is only about leadership and pastors. This is just even simply being a Christian. To exude confidence, not arrogance, but confidence, means that you're confident in God. And the reason that that's important is because when someone comes up and they ask you biblical questions, 
If you are not active in the Word of God and you don't really feel like your relationship is very strong with the Lord, you're going to find that you are going to struggle significantly in your confidence to be able to answer questions. When it comes to being a leader or as a pastor, when it comes to doing certain things, if you are not fully believing that you are leading and you are being uh, under the lordship of Jesus Christ leading the church, your confidence is going to wane. When you feel like you are being led by the deacons or you're being led by church leaders or you're being led by the church itself because you're just trying to appease people, you will have zero confidence when it comes to leading. However, if you know you're being led by God, you will have confidence. And more importantly, here's the thing. Everyone else around you will see it. Everyone else around you will be able to see what God is doing and everyone else around you will know that God has called you. That is so vitally important because when your church congregation, when people around you, your family and your friends, this even goes to being just a man leading your home. When your family sees that you are uh, under the lordship of Jesus and you are being led by God, man, people see that, they value that, and they will follow. Notice what he says here in the next verse, verse 7, above all, Be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. All right, I want you to flip over, if you want to, or write this down to Psalm chapter 1 and see what the psalmist is doing here in Psalm 1, talking about this idea of if you don't turn to the right or to the left, but you stand firm on what Moses commanded, which was the law, you will not have any problems. You will have success. Look here in Psalm 1. Look in verse 1. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season whose le- and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers or succeeds. So you're seeing the same thing written in Psalm 1 that... Our responsibility is to maintain focus and meditation on God's Word day and night to let that be our driving and guiding force. And as long as that is the case, whatever we do will prosper. Whatever we do will have success. And that's what he told Joshua. If you do the law and you adhere to what Moses told you concerning a relationship with me, everything that you will do, you will have success wherever you go. He continues with that in verse 8. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Notice that same phrase again. If you have the Word of God in you, coming out of your mouth, You are meditating on it day and night. You're going to observe everything that this word is telling you to do. You will succeed in whatever you do. What God is telling you is this. He's telling Joshua, he's telling us the same things. If you want to see God's will come forth in your life, be in the word, 
Be obedient to the Word and let the Word guide your life daily. It's that simple. God does not make following Him rocket science. It's not. But what I find so amazing about this is the one thing God is telling us to do is the one area where we struggle probably as much as any other, and that is being in the Word daily. So many people right now are so busy that they're not in God's Word. And what they're doing is they are constantly on this roller coaster of emotions and and spirituality in their life because they're wondering, why in the world is their Christian life the way that it is? Why is there no confidence? Why is there no solidity? It's because you don't have a firm foundation. It's because you're not in the Word of God day in and day out, meditating on the Word, letting it come to life in you, letting it wash over you, letting it convict you of sin, letting it reprove you, rebuke you, and exhort you. And letting it be the guiding force in everything that you do. Instead, we just try to make sure that we get a Bible verse in here. Uh, We do a a five-minute quiet time here with our cup of coffee. And we think that that's enough to sustain us. If all I'd done was eat one snack a day, from a health standpoint, I would be malnourished and my body would suffer for it. I need to eat well during the day. And I don't need to just snack. I need to make sure that I'm eating vegetables and fruits. I need to make sure that I'm eating things that I know are going to be healthy for me and sustain me. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. There's some days I just do not want to eat broccoli or any kind of vegetable. I would rather sit down and I would love to eat me a full large pizza. Grease and all. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to eat that pizza. I'm going to start feeling bad. My stomach's going to feel bad. It's probably going to mess up my digestive system. And I'm going to feel bloated all day long. That grease and all of that stuff is just going to make me feel lethargic. I'm going to lose energy. Now, was it good while I ate it? Absolutely. But it's also going to cause me to be hungry again sooner because there's nothing feeling about it. It may have tasted good, but it wasn't feeling But what I find is when I take the time to eat these vegetables, not only do I have the energy, I'm also fuller a lot longer. I'm able to have more energy to do things rather than feeling miserable. It doesn't mess my stomach up or my digestive tract up. It's the same thing with the Word of God. When I try to just find fillers and I just try to do things quickly to make things work, it it doesn't go well. Okay? But one of the things that I'm finding is that whenever I get into God's Word, and I study it deeply. Now, that doesn't mean I'm reading five chapters a day, but I'm sitting down and I'm studying it. I've got my pen, my notebook, I've got my highlighters. I'm sitting down and I'm saying, God, I want you to speak to me. I want you to show this to me. Then, yeah, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And that's what he's telling Joshua. If you want to see success, and notice he's not talking about health and wealth. He's not talking about new cars, big time money, status. He's not talking about that. What he's saying is you will be able to have success in everything that you do in leading these people because I will be the one to lead you. Look in verse 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What he's saying is don't get overwhelmed. Don't let this idea of serving me overwhelm you. Don't let this idea of leading the nation of Israel overwhelm you. I am with you. I will guide you. I will strengthen you. I will do all of these things for you. But what I need you to do 
is I need you to let me lead you and I need you to just stay in relationship with me. So as we see just these first few verses here of the book of Joshua, I hope that it's challenged you with a lot of different areas. There's so much in this that we can be able to learn, and I probably didn't even hit the tip of the iceberg. But we're going to start walking through um, these passages in Joshua on a weekly basis now. And I pray that it encourages you. I pray that it causes you to be able to deepen in your walk with Him. I pray that it causes you to have some thought um, and uh, allows you to be able to um, have a hunger to get into God's Word. So uh, I, I hope that uh, this has been a blessing. I know we've taken a lot of time off, uh, but I wanted to kind of get things going again. I wanted to be able to get things uh, centered back on the Word and uh, just being in His Word and and walking through it. So I pray that it's encouraged you. I, I also ask if, if this has been a blessing to you, please go and rate this on whatever... Um, uh, platform you're listening to it, write a review. That'll help it get out there a little bit more and help other people to be able to see it. And it would make a, a, a big difference and I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, share it on your Facebook page. Tell people, hey, go check this out if it's been a blessing to you. One of the things I found is if you're, if you're involved in something and it's a blessing, don't keep it to yourself, but share it with others. So I pray that you have a blessed, wonderful day and we look forward to being in the Word again next week. <music>